Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's program, a free-for-all this weekend at the box office. NBC's Peacock spreads its feathers. And do you really need a Nintendo Switch Lite? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports, and so much more, saying thank you so much for listening to all of our great programs. But it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friend. He is our own Ad Astra of Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out everything that's going on today at popculturecosmos.com, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com, and everything he's doing today at Humanica Media, and of course his book, Congratulations, You Suck. It is my good friend, the blockbuster video man himself. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? Hey, don't knock the shirt, man. This is like the comfiest thing I've ever worn in my life, and it's, it's very nostalgic, see? It's about the comfort. I know. I hear you. I've got several. In fact, this PlayStation, yeah, very nice. Very Some t-shirts nice. never die, man, you know? Exactly, exactly. Pop culture t-shirts rule, baby. But it's going to be a great show we have for everyone out there today. We're going to be talking about a full-blown battle royale coming up this weekend at the box office where there's not one, there's not two, there's not even three. There's five movies that are viable contenders for number one this weekend at the domestic box office. And we'll be talking about all those pictures and the chances they have in reaching number one with audiences this weekend. Plus, we're going to be talking about NBC Universal's brand new, just announced, Peacock Channel. I mean, Josh, come on, really? Another week, another streaming channel gets announced. Well, Josh and I are going to be talking about some of the programming that's going to be on that when it debuts next year, April 2020, and that's the Peacock Channel. Plus, we're also going to be talking about, if you like the Big Bang Theory, we're going to tell you where you can see the Big Bang Theory in the near future and just how much it reportedly costs to go ahead and pay for all that. We're going to tell you about the big cost for the Big Bang Theory coming up later in the show as well. Plus, again, we're going to be talking about the Nintendo Switch Lite that comes out on Friday. And, of course, we count down even more numbers on our top 200 video games of all time. This time it's number 101 to number 110. And Chris Ardieri is stopping by a little later in the program for all you fantasy football owners out there talking about week three in the NFL. 
But first, my friend, a big battle at the box office. I'm telling you, if you like variety, you sure are going to get it this weekend because it feels like a nice fresh slate of films are going at it with Brad Pitt's Ad Astra versus Sylvester Stallone's Rambo Last Blood, which he actually admitted to this week that if it does well, it won't be the last blood. Downtown Abbey, for all you Downtown Abbey fans out there, It Chapter 2 is still live in theaters, and Hustlers is coming off a great weekend in and of itself. So I ask you, my friend, pretty much a big-time battle at the box office. I have not seen it this evenly matched with this great number of films in quite some time for the domestic box office this weekend. Yeah, I haven't actually heard a lot about Ad Astra. It's something I kind of want to watch. I'm going to go see It Chapter 2 on Monday with my brother, so I will have more to say about that then. But yeah, it's kind of, it's it's a weird time because none of these movies are really as big franchises. You know, obviously It, it Chapter 2 is a sequel, but... Well, Rambo was a big franchise yeah, uh, uh, yes, 30 yeah. years ago. Yeah, Rambo is something that not a lot of people really know about these days. So I guess it's hitting that place where Blade Runner hit. Did he say there was he was going to make another one if this was successful? I haven't read any, I haven't really read up on it. There were comments in the press this week that if it does well, and come on, man, who are we going to hear? This is Sly Stallone. He's already made four of them. I think if this is number five. I think if this is number five, why not do it number six if it makes money? So we'll have to wait and see. But he was quoted, I believe, amongst the press that if this does well enough, yeah, you would see another Rambo, Eternal Blood, or some type of blood coming down the line at some point in time if Rambo Last Blood does well. What I would like to see is a Rambo where he dies and then he comes back to life as a Rambo zombie. And that is how the next movie goes down. So it's like he's bringing his divine judgment upon terrorists and kidnappers and stuff like that. Rambo out looking for blood. That'll be the next one. Exactly. The movie writes itself is, is all I'm trying to say. And the Ad Astra is a very intriguing story, a space epic per se, with Brad Pitt actually looking for his father. He's made aware, the government has told him that he's he's been made aware that his father, Tommy Lee Jones, is alive. And that's going to be very interesting to see Ad Astra. I'm also going to check that out as well. It Chapter 2, obviously still riding high in theaters. And again, Hustlers, which has got tremendous reviews and Academy Award buzz has already gone for Jennifer Lopez. All those films are actually competing this weekend at the box office. But to me, to me, I think of the five, I'm going to say a devoted following right now indeed falls in the lap of Downtown Abbey. And I think everybody is going to go down and see Downtown Abbey enough to make it the number one box office movie this weekend. So your choice amongst the five, you've got five to pick. They're all going to do okay in my books, but I think right now Downtown Abbey is for me. What movie do you think will come out on top this weekend? I still want to say It Chapter 2. I could be wrong, but I don't think Downtown Abbey has enough power behind it to get people who watch the show from the comfort of their homes into the movie theaters. And with Rambo, I think it suffers from... It's probably a very good movie, I'm sure, because the last one was fantastic. and I don't know if we ever talked about that, but I really liked it. But I also think it suffers from, you know, Blade Runner syndrome, where it's, it could be a great movie, but because the last one came out so long ago, and the ones before that, so many years before that, 
I don't think that it really has the the power or um, what do you call it the relevancy to really carry a huge box office number these days. And Ad Astra is good, but again, it's a sci-fi movie, and we've seen what happens. To those like they get critical acclaim occasionally, but they don't always pull in the amount of money that people hope for. Well, Brad Pitt with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has garnered a new, uh, kind of like a new life. He's got a you know a little bit of momentum back with audiences. People loved his performance in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So he is of the five right now movies that are out there. He could be the one that propels that to the top. And his star power is a little bit stronger right now than a Sly Stallone's because Let's face it, Sly Stallone, this is a, a, if you've seen one Rambo, you've seen them all, you pretty much know the storyline. He gets angry for some reason. He's wronged in some way, and he takes his vengeance out, and you see him kill all the bad guys in certain creative ways. So, I mean, this it's not a stretch when it comes to Rambo Last Blood and what the synopsis of that could be. Hustlers, again, Jennifer Lopez is garnering great reviews, so that could surprise as well, just like it did last week when it went above and beyond expectations. So, it is going to be a major, major collision this weekend at the box office. There are now not one, not two, but five different choices out there as far as relevant, fresh, recent movies that are still out there that a lot of people want to go ahead and check out. I think it's just a good time to go back to the movies. If anybody's out there that's interested in spending a good weekend at the movie theaters, I don't blame them a bit. But again, you're thinking It Chapter 2, and I'm thinking Downtown Abbey. We'll go ahead and see who's right on the Monday show. I think it's me. I never discount those downtown Abbey fans. I don't at least, but you know what? We'll wait and see what happens on the Monday show. If you're going to check out any of the films this weekend, Ad Astra, Rambo Last Blood, Downtown Abbey, It Chapter 2, or Hustlers, please let us know your thoughts on any of those movies. Did you get a chance to check it out this weekend? We'd love to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, there's so much to talk about in pop culture that happened this week, but one of the major things to talk about is, like I said a little bit earlier, a new week, a new channel coming out, and that's the Peacock channel, which is going to debut in April of 2020 with no price set yet as far as how much a month it's going to cost. But they did release a lot of the lineup as far as some of the shows that they have in the works, as far as some of the reboots and some of the existing shows that have already been produced and are out there. A lot of it bases off of the NBC, Universal, USA networks and the Sci-Fi channel because it's within that happy family. So if you liked Psych or if you like Saved by the Bell or if you like Battlestar Galactica from yesteryear or you're interested in seeing the revival, the new episodes that they're going to make of a reboot of Saved by the Bell or Battlestar Galactica or a new Psych movie, or any of the other NBC Universal products that they're going to go ahead and actually put on there once it comes out in April 2020, because they're announcing 15,000 hours of content when that channel goes live. So I ask you, my friend, it's very intriguing. Now, they're also including, as far as some of the movies, since it's Universal, they did announce The Fast and Furious. I'm curious why they didn't announce the Jurassic Park movies alongside it. That was a curious decision to me. Maybe they just don't have the rights to go ahead and do that on a streaming format. But they did announce the Fast and Furious movies on there. So I want to hear your thoughts. Could the Peacock channel, when it comes out in April 2020, remember the time frame. It's probably going to be after Apple. It is going to be after Disney Plus debuts. I want to hear your thoughts if the Peacock channel can be a viable contender in the streaming space. 
Is this all Universal shows and movies? It's like Universal's app, right? This is pretty much Universal's app. It's NBC Universal products, projects, anything related to. If you've seen it on NBC, if you've seen it on USA Network, if you've seen it on the Sci Fi Channel, if you've seen it on Universal Pictures, there's a good chance that it could emanate onto the Peacock Channel. Okay, well, I mean, if they get things like The Office on there, then, then yeah, I, I could see that. I don't know, man. I don't really know enough NBC properties. I know Saved by the Bell, that's going to show up on there soon. But if there's movies, as far as that goes, if there's a bunch of films from the 90s, you know, like Breakfast Club and, uh, you know, they had The Mummy on there and Pretty in Pink, Weird Science, stuff like that. Like, no, you actually are right. It is reverting back to the Peacock channel. They, they paid a half a billion dollars for it. Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean... Then, yeah, I can see that being somewhat successful. They have the advantage of having a show that's already been, de uh, not developed, but a become a cult classic amongst people. So I can see people getting the streaming service just to watch The Office. And as far as, like, the other movies go, yeah, if they had Jurassic Park and The Mummy and stuff like that, like, I could see it being, you know, more successful than, like, an HBO app or a Starz app or anything like that. I agree with you on that because the office will be going there. And it remember, it is currently, or before it leaves, anyways, it is currently at the time it was the rights were purchased by NBC Universal to go back to their Peacock channel once the agreement ends with Netflix. It is the most popular show on Netflix. And I've, I've been told it's not even close. Friends is in this somewhere in that ballpark, but after that. It's, it's basically The Office. So The Office is something that, you're right, could be a foundational piece for the Peacock channel going forward, which would be a very nice feather in their cap, pardon the pun, when it comes to the Peacock channel. But you're right. You also have, as far as movies, the Fast and Furious movies. I'm not sure if it's one, two, or all of them because there's so many out there. The Jurassic Park movies, I don't understand why they didn't mention that. If they did, I missed it on the press releases all the new stuff that they're doing, some of it is reboot, some of it's live, uh, that, you know, some of it's fresh that they're adapting, like, like Apple, like Disney Plus, you know, all of them are, are coming up with their new own new projects. But again, a lot of it's based off nostalgia. Do you want to see another Battlestar Galactica? Do you want to see Mario Lopez and Elizabeth Berkeley again, who are starring in the Saved by the Bell reboot? I mean, you tell me, man, does NBC Universal outside of those few properties that we know, The Office, Fast and Furious, et cetera, et cetera, have enough properties as far as the depth is concerned to really gain your interest for the Peacock channel? I mean, again, it would have to consist of movies too. Like if it had a wide selection of movies that, because Universal's got a lot of good stuff. And if it had a wide selection of movies on there, then yeah, probably. But you know, outside of television shows, I'd say by the bell sequel is not something I really care to watch. I haven't, I love Full House. Haven't really gotten into Fuller House. It's just I don't have hardly enough time to watch TV as it is. So it'd have to be something that really pulls me in. Maybe something exclusive to the service. But movies are definitely a big factor for me. If they had a lot of the movies that I see as classics from the '90s, like I would definitely be into something like that. Well, it is something that I think a lot of people are going to at least look into. I think pricing is also a key because you have Apple Plus at four ninety nine. You have Disney Plus coming in at $7. So for the monthly fees, you have to take a look at it and be competitive, at least right off the bat. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? 
Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. Because Netflix is now, what, $15, $16, $17? Yeah, depending on how many screens you're watching on, because they now track that. They didn't used to track it, but now they do. So if they see you're on three screens, they're going to charge you $18 a month for it. Whereas if it's like two screens, then you know it's $12. And I think one screen is like 8 bucks or something like that. Okay. That's quite understandable seeing how Netflix has grown leaps and bounds, but Paying $18, like you had mentioned before, a month for Netflix when there are so many viable alternatives right now. We haven't even talked about what's coming up with HBO Max. We haven't talked about Hulu. We haven't talked about any of the other streaming services, CBS All Access. I mean, it is really becoming a full plate where you have all these broadcast networks. You have all these cable networks. You have all these satellite networks you know we haven't even talked about direct tv yet as far as all their stuff and at&t wants to sell direct tv because obviously they're not not enjoying their love affair after they bought it from your blockbuster video let's not digress into that but you know and then you also have all the streaming networks up on top of that so there's so many choices out there which is great which is something that you and i when we were younger obviously would have dreamed of having but now that we have it it's now, we're not talking about a substantial about a, um, amount of cash you would have to go ahead and pay to get all that content, which is just, to me, mind-boggling. And it gets even more expensive because you got to consider the fact with HBO Max coming around the corner, they just announced that they secure the rights in the future for the Big Bang Theory at a reported and rumored $600 million over five years which some are even saying could be up to a billion dollars. So I ask you, my friend, I mean, where does it stop? This money keeps on being thrown around like monopoly money, but it just seems to be all over the place. Ultimately, it's going to end up being in our pocketbooks as far as hitting us and hitting us hard. Well, what's going to happen is people are going to stop paying for streaming services and they're going to go back to paying for cable packages because that's something that all these stations creating streaming services aren't going to give up ever. And that's their place on big network television. So, you know, we're going to reach a point where the, the streaming market is going to collapse. I'm already predicting that it's the same thing with the YouTube market. It's just, it's inevitable. And it's, it's basic economics. You have too many of one thing out there. People are going to get tired of it. And they're going to become overwhelmed and nobody's going to be paying for anything anymore. So my prediction is these streaming services are going to crash and the only thing that could save them is possibly original content, with, which uh, you know Netflix and HBO do okay, but uh, nobody else really does. Maybe Disney Plus, we haven't seen what it's capable of yet. But there's so many streaming services out there that if there's not a way to consolidate all of them, then people are going to stop paying for them just going back to regular TV where they only pay one payment instead of 12 for all these different things that they want to watch. I agree with you, man. It's just going to be so mind-boggling. People are just going to just scratch their heads. They're just going to say, you know what? I give up. I'm just going to go back to basic cable and be done with it because it's going to get to the point where it's beyond ridiculous when it comes to all these different options, which is great in theory. If you would have asked me when I was on my old black and white TV and I only had 
3, 5, 7, 13, and 56, you would have told me, hey, Gerald, there's going to be possibility of a thousand different channels that you could have access to within a certain period of time. I'd be like, oh, yeah, sign me up. The problem is if you want to sign up, you're going to have to pay over $200, $300 a month just for television alone. So that, that's just ridiculous at this point in time. I mean, somebody to buy all this stuff and to be eligible to go ahead and have all this content at their whim would probably cost them probably about $400 to $500 a month. And that to me is just, uh, that that's just obscene. Yeah, I mean, because these monthly payments, they add up really quick. So it's one of those things where you got to ask yourself, how much are you are willing to lose, especially like if you're only getting it to watch one show or one season of something? I get the the like service jumping, but I think a lot of people have, especially HBO in the wake of Game of Thrones, have gotten onto that tactic. So who's who's to say you won't be locked in at a certain amount of months here soon enough? It's going to be very troubling, my friend, for a lot of people to decide what they want to watch because, again, it also caters to the taste of your family. If one family member sides with this channel, another family member sides with this channel, another family member sides with this channel, it's really going to get very troubling for a lot of people out there and a lot of consumers, uh, I mean, this is what we wanted. We wanted choice, but it's going to come at such a great cost. I'm not sure if people are going to accept that part of it down the road unless something is done to just reel back on these costs and these and these uh, charges that are going to you know hit people right and left unless they go ahead and, and do something to bring it all back together. It will revert, like you said, back to cable once again. What are your thoughts out there on all the stuff that's going on with the streaming services? Are you excited for the Peacock channel coming in April 2020 and all the different NBC Universal products that are coming along with that channel when it opens up in April 2020 with a promised 15,000 hours of content? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also, let us know if you're going to be watching the Big Bang Theory on the HBO Max channel when it comes out there as well because, hey, they just spent $600 million reportedly, maybe even more on that. So let us know if you're that diehard of a fan to go ahead and watch it there as well. Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram as well. Well, before we head to the break, I want to ask you one thing, my friend. You're a Nintendo Switch owner, right? Yes, I do own a Nintendo Switch. How has it treated you over the past couple of years? Pretty good. I mostly play it on the go, but you know, sometimes I'll plug it into the old dock. Well, see, that's the thing I wanted to ask you. You said you use it on the dock. Sometimes I do too as well, but mostly we play it portable. So wouldn't you know, coming out this Friday, the Nintendo Switch Lite at $199.99. So I ask you, my friend, it is $100 cheaper, which is good. But still, the fact that the Joy-Cons are now fixed into the unit itself, it does not dock to a television. It is getting good reviews, but still... That aside, are you going to have a need for a second Nintendo Switch? And do you want it to be a Nintendo Switch Lite? No, absolutely not. I would not pay for something that does not dock. I like to have the option, but also I think it's stupid that they stop producing the 3DS games just to consolidate things and then basically make a Nintendo Switch that's a Game Boy. It makes no sense to me whatsoever why they would do that. I get having a Switch Lite with the Joy-Cons fixed in and still being able to dock it, but without the dock, I think it's kind of a pointless system. You might as well just go back to making 3DS games. And I understand that's what they want to do, evolve 
their portable market into with something like this and the 3ds is now finally after so many years now something that they're no longer really counting on going forward and they're really putting all their money behind the switch but to go this route i know it's going to probably be popular because it's nintendo i'm not going to doubt nintendo even the ring fit which we haven't even discussed yet on this show i'm not even going to doubt that even though it's so funny every time i go into retro city games and i see the stack of we fits there i think to myself is doug and nicole when they go ahead and in the next couple of years get all those ring fits going to stack them there right next to the we fit and there you go but we'll talk about ring fit on another day but nintendo switch Lite. i mean is it something that we needed i don't think so because the nintendo switch in and of itself is a portable system it's not that much larger than the nintendo switch Lite. What I was really hoping for was a more powerful model to handle bigger games, to handle larger games, to handle a larger storage capacity. Because of those issues, I think a lot of people were asking for as far as something easier for them to go ahead and control and manage. Instead, you still have the same type of systems there, the still the same type of problems with games that they have there, and still the same type of issues and concerns that Nintendo still has not addressed with the system. For instance, you and I have always used Skyrim as the example. I mean, if it's a glitchy mess on certain consoles and PCs, it's always been even a bigger issue in the Nintendo Switch. The Nintendo Switch Lite doesn't even do that any better. And in fact, because of its size, could possibly do it even worse. I haven't really taken the time to look at the specs on it or seen it in action yet, but it's just it's it's just not something like the, the what makes a switch so cool what gave it its its character is the fact that it is a hybrid console you play it on the go get home you plug it into the tv with the this switch light it's basically a game boy or a 3ds why go that route you know i get that they're trying to consolidate all their games onto one console but it just it why would you not pay the extra 100 dollars to be able to plug something into your tv so i'm curious like house is going to sell and obviously like people reviewing it are like oh this is cool because the games look the same but they're not going to go out and buy one i guarantee you they won't so i'm just i want to see the console numbers you know when they get released around christmas time because i i don't really have any faith in this product again i've already doubted nintendo on more than one occasion my friend i'm not going to doubt them again especially when it comes to something like this I think it is going to sell well because of the price point. I think $199 is going to appeal to families. And a lot of people are talking about maybe using it as a second unit for, let's say, oh, we have a main unit that we can hook up to the TV, which will be the $299 unit, and then we have this Nintendo Switch Lite on the side. I agree with you. I don't see why you would go ahead and do that when you, for just $100 more, you can get one that could also hook up to a television, and, and they're both just as portable. Uh, yes, it is smaller, but not enough to say, you know what, that's something I really could use. The Switch, when you grab it, it's just so easy to grab out of the dock. It's really easy to use. It's really easy to, to hold in your hands. It's not that problematic. Plus, the Joy-Cons are removable. And yeah, the Nintendo Switch Lite does not have some of the features on the Joy-Cons that are fixed onto it, like the rumble and whatnot. That's not a big deal. But still, to me... I don't see such a discernible issue as far as the size is concerned. Yes, it does have stronger battery life, which I know a lot of people are going yay over, but I still think that there's not so much of a difference that if you're going to go ahead and are, are waffling on whether or not you want the Switch or the Switch Lite, that you don't spend the extra $100 on the Nintendo Switch. 
because again, like you said, it docks and it connects to a television. And even if you only use it once to connect to a television, when you've got friends over or something like that, that's worth its weight for the hundred dollar difference. Yeah. I just like, it, it doesn't make sense to me because Nintendo stopped producing the 3DSs in exchange for what a switch. That's not technically a switch, but play switch games. It's just, it's, it doesn't make any sense to me. And I, I can't really wrap my head around why you wouldn't just pay the hundred dollars to get an actual switch. I mean, we've talked about the Xbox one S and the Xbox one X. We've talked about the PlayStation four and the PlayStation four pro. I'm not sure I found enough reasoning for me to ever go that higher route for the Xbox one X and PlayStation pro. But I could have seen a point where the Nintendo switch could have come out with a Nintendo switch X or pro or whatever, a much stronger unit, a much more powerful unit. To me, that was necessary more than on the PlayStation 4 or Xbox One because, yeah, they all have great graphics. And, of course, the higher bumped-up models have even better graphics and show off these games a lot better. But to me, I think of the three systems that needed a more powerful console, I think the Nintendo Switch was the one, and I'm sorry that they went the other way. Yeah, I mean, again, we won't really know if this was a good or bad idea until the the numbers get released around the holidays, but... It's if you're a budget gamer, like I may maybe, but I mean, again, like why not just pay the extra hundred dollars because it's still cheaper than an average console. So that's just one of those things you got to think about. But the Nintendo Switch Lite coming out at one ninety nine ninety nine, it's actually available as the show airs on Friday. So if you want to go ahead and grab one right away, do so. I see big numbers from it. I don't know how big. I'm just maybe not as much as the Nintendo Switch itself over the past couple of years has sold, but still it's going to be a nice feather in the cap of Nintendo. I think it will sell strong enough to justify its existence, even though a lot of people are asking why it exists in the first place. What are your thoughts out there on the Nintendo Switch Lite? Do you like the Big Daddy, the OG Nintendo Switch, or do you like the Lite that's coming out this Friday with your next Nintendo Switch? Do you want the Lite version? Or do you want the OG original? Let us know. We'd love to hear your thoughts on on which you prefer. If you're getting a Nintendo Switch Lite, are you getting it as your first? Or maybe it's their second or third Nintendo Switch? Is it an optional one? Do you like it because it's a little smaller, better battery space? We want to hear your thoughts on the Nintendo Switch Lite. And if it's something in your thoughts and in your mind is something you want to get for this holiday season, share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, coming up after the break, it's Chris Lardieri from Inside Sports Fantasy Football. He's going to give us the insight on week three in the NFL for all you fantasy football owners. And then also after break, we're going to close out the show, Josh and I, with games number 101 to 110 on our top 200 video game list coming up after the break. This is the PCC Multiverse. Listen up, all you gamers out there. Miracle Fruit Oil is ramping up the deals on its awesome Vitabrace Gaming Wristband. Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve your gaming performance. Vitabrace will help you achieve your gaming goals, whether it's that single player campaign, retro classic, or battle royale. Head on over today to MiracleFruitOil.com and if you use the code Vitabrace50, you'll get half off on a Vitabrace Gaming Wristband or use the code buy one get one and it's buy one get one free that's right just use the code vitabrace50 
or buy and the number one, get and the number one today to get some great deals on some Vitabrace gaming wristbands. So check it out today at MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace, win with it. All right, and we're back for another episode of Inside Sports Fantasy Football. It's Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos Inside Sports and also the Lakers Fast Break Podcast coming right at you here. Now I'm here with a good man indeed. Our Thursday, well, I should say now when you're listening, it's probably going to be Friday or the weekend. But once again, it is a good man indeed from Inside Sports. You got to check out everything that he's doing on the Inside Sports channel on Podbean and also this show as well. He's the man that goes ahead and previews our week coming up in the NFL. It is Chris Lardieri. Chris, always great to have you back, my friend. Likewise. Thank you for the kind introduction, Gerald. Uh, Looking forward to previewing week three and uh, what's already been an interesting fantasy football season. Absolutely. Absolutely. But just so funny, just so strange that your co-partner in crime, Charles Smith Jr., where is he at a time like this? He's doing what everybody likes to do as far as a big-time NFL fan. They've got some gambling in mind. He's hitting the streets of Vegas right here on the Strip. So just all the best to him this weekend. Good luck, as we say here in Las Vegas, before we go ahead and take all your money. Yeah, you've given me the heads up. He was heading up to Vegas before we get the show up and running again. So I hope he's doing his homework for our upcoming pick segment we'll have here rolling out shortly. He likes the over-unders. Uh, I'll have to see who he likes this week. We'll kind of consider it a warm-up for him until uh, we really put voice to podcasts in the, in the coming weeks. Okay, well, well, watch out there. You know, watch out for any dealers, you know, changing on you while you're on a hot streak. You know, just go like <laughs> that and just wave and just walk right off and on break. I'm going on break. But anyways, that is the Inside Sports Show coming up very soon in the near future. It's going to be Chris, Charles, and more guests that are coming on as well. I'll tell you what, but this show right here, we got a lot to talk about. You're the man that we go to for the primer on week three on what's coming up. I know you've been investigating it thoroughly. I know you're very excited for another great weekend of football in the NFL. So I want to hear your thoughts on week three. What matchups are you most interested in or what matchups do you think fantasy football owners this weekend should be most interested in for their fantasy football teams? Yeah, I, I don't want to be Groundhog Day, but judging by the first two weeks in the NFL, I will say it again because I have to. The Cowboys go up against the Dolphins. I think everyone in the Cowboys is a must start. The Jets, who are walking wounded offensively, interesting note, they are 23-point underdogs at Foxborough against the Patriots. But I think all your Pats are must starts. We said last week, Sonny Michelle. I mean, I think you continue to ride that train. Can uh, I ask you a individual- question here? Sure, sure. I mean, when it, when the schedule makers really just wanted to go ahead and reward the reigning champions, did they give them a cushy schedule or what? Because not only did they have a blowout of week one, they had a blowout of week two. With the New York Jets on their third quarterback, they could be on the verge of a blowout in week three. Absolutely. And let's not forget the fact that for some unknown reason, 
the Patriots defending Super Bowl champions did not open on a Thursday night. They opened on a Sunday night. Have you gotten an answer on that? I don't know, but let's throw that in there for favoritism. And then, yeah, look, a couple weeks ahead, they'll get the Giants quarterback now by one Daniel Jones. I believe it's in week six. Should be another blowout. So uh, I hope the Patriots enjoy their September and October. I'm hoping their schedule gets a little more difficult for football's sake. But as we know, in the AFC East, win, 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 right? That's for sure, my friend. That's for sure. <laughs> more like the AFC least right now. That's that's yeah, right. looking like more and more each and every day. But yes, the New York Jets really hobbling in there. I don't know if you want to go ahead and stick with Le'Veon Bell right now because he's struggling. The whole team is struggling. I've benched Robbie Anderson. At this point, I don't think anybody's going to be a consistent thrower to him. So I don't see him gaining any advantage at all as far as yards are concerned. I mean, at this point... Is anyone on the New York Jets a viable option at fantasy at this point? I mean, Le'Veon Bell, anybody? No, I mean, I think you're almost forced to play Bell. Basically, if you use a top five, top seven pick on him, what do you do? You have to play him. Maybe you hope he gets some points in garbage time. I really don't know, but I I do get what you're saying. You're not going to get much out of him. It's really frustrating. and I think everyone else is off limits offensively for the Jets. I mean, do you even think they're going to score field goals? I don't, so... It's going to be ugly, to say the least. It's unfortunate losing two quarterbacks in such a short period of time. But this is fantasy football, and you need to score points. Stay away from the Jets. That's for sure, especially if you're gambling like Charles Smith Jr. is right here in Las Vegas. Uh, that's really a, that's really something to behold right there for you as far as the easy schedule for New England. And But that's great. If you have New England Patriots on your team as far as either from a running back with Sonny Michelle or receiving or you know Tom Brady, he's just having an easy time just pitching and chucking right now. It's hard to evaluate if age is caught up to him because he's had such an easy schedule. Absolutely. I mean, we, we may not see the real Tom Brady until January 2020. It's great for fantasy owners because you can ride him as far as with his success, his wave of easy game after game after game, even into the new year. But for fans of the New England Patriots, you're going to have to wait and see if Father Time is still going to go ahead and allow Tom Brady to be at the top of his game for another playoff season going forward because they're 2-0 and already. It looks like they're going to have another great season on hand because of the easy schedule coming up for them. But another game that I'm actually interested in before I get to one of yours, my friend, is Houston at the Chargers. The the Chargers are coming off a pretty shaky loss when everybody had had really had uh, the number ticketed. I was talking about them as as a team being very strong out the gate. Didn't quite materialize. They're still one-on-one, but Houston, they had actually a down game as well. I just was surprised at the lack of performance from from. They're basically, from an offensive standpoint, they were clicking on all cylinders on their first game. Second game just didn't quite get it done. I want to hear your thoughts on that. And then also, is there another matchup that you're looking forward to in week three? Yeah, I think the Texans are definitely beneficiaries of a questionable call by one Doug Marone to go for two. I mean, that easily could have been a game they lost. And as we saw Thursday evening, the uh, Jacksonville defense looked like it's woken up. So, Perhaps that was the issue the Texans were having. The Jags still have some playmakers on D. I do think coming into Carson, California, a.k.a. a suburb of L.A., will help them. The Chargers always seem to have injuries. They always seem to have trouble with teams that they shouldn't. And I'll go back to the way Deshaun Watson played against the Saints. And uh, 
I, I'd like to think, you know, even though they've got the Chargers have that tough pass rush with Joey Bosa leading the way, I do think you start Deshaun Watson here. If anything, I think this could be a high-scoring game. Should be another warm one in Southern California. I think that bodes well for the Texans. And honestly, I, I really don't know with the Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson. Do they really have much of a ground game? Doubtful. So I think Watson's going to have to throw the ball. On the flip side, you know, Austin Eckler scored another touchdown. I think he's someone you want to start on a week-to-week basis. And you know, as long as Phillip Rivers doesn't throw interceptions, uh, one thing to keep an eye on is Keenan Allen's health. I have him in one league. Hopefully he plays as he goes. So does Rivers in the Chargers offense. That's true. He's a very skilled receiver, and I think he's very underrated in the eyes of even fantasy owners as well as far as his importance to the Los Angeles Chargers. But be nice to Carson. I was born and I lived near there for a good portion of my life. So be nice to Carson. Oh, no, I, I, I have nothing against it. I just want people to know it's a suburb of L.A. Because on the, uh, you know, it's kind of like when you watch a Giants or Jets game, they talk about the game being played in New York. It's it's the Meadowlands. It's East Rutherford. We or, need to be or the Los Angeles the Angels of Anaheim, one of my yes. favorite teams. Yes. yes, they're so there's they're so adamant on trying to keep that Los Angeles in there for so many reasons. They get three million people going there to their games each and every season, whether they're bad or good, and they've been usually bad as of late, which is a shame because they're wasting my trout. But they always want that LA in there for some reason. Yeah, once upon a time they were California. What was wrong with that? <sighs> I like that myself, but <laughs> hey, it's not my team. I don't own it. Artie Moreno does so. Yeah. All I say is this, uh, back to the football, though. There is some good matchups out there. I know there's some others that you were looking at for this weekend. Are there any others that, like I said, you are just really think that fantasy owners should point towards to this weekend? I, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. Went out there on waivers and picked up Peyton Barber. I know uh, Ronald Jones was getting the touches and the hype in Tampa, but Barber had a nice game against Carolina. And look at that. He goes up against probably the second worst defense in football, statistically and in our hearts, the New York Giants. You can blame Eli all you want. This is an atrocious bunch on that side of the ball. So I think it bodes well for Barber. Mike Evans should benefit. And yeah, as long as Jameis Winston knows which color jerseys he needs to throw to on Sunday, I think he could have a decent outing. The, the one guy, and I own him too, that I'm really perplexed about is O.J. Howard. A lot was expected of him coming in. Bruce Arians even called him out. He didn't even get targeted last Thursday night against the Panthers. So I can't advise him. I'm forced to start him. He's my only tight end and not a heck of a lot of better options right now out there in free agency. But I think you'd do well to start Buccaneers. This Giants defense is really bad, and that's not getting the blame that it should. You know what, my friend? I'm going to have to agree with you. I mean, I was holding out hope for the run defense after week one against Dallas because Dak Prescott just made them look stupid on the secondary standpoint. But you're right. The whole defense was bad because they gave up a lot of run yards in the second <laughs> week. So I'm just going to say it out loud, just like you, the New York Giants defense is just awful, just awful at this point in time. So if you're playing or matching up against them, either at a, any offensive position, you really have to consider it. You really should go ahead and start anybody against the New York Giants defense at this point in time. And it's very sad to hear that because I know you're such a fan of the team in flux right now. Donald Jones is now the quarterback. Eli Manning is sitting out. So rough times for the Giants, my friend. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm sorry to see that because, I, like I said, I know you're you're a big fan of that as well. But going on Ronald Jones, I bought into it because Matthew Berry of ESPN had said after week one, he was the top choice on the waiver wire list. 
the top choice as far as free agents are concerned. And he managed to get a 0.6 in fantasy points the next week. And that really chapped my hide as far as, you know, he was adamant. Now, mind you, I picked up a couple other free agents that did okay for me. But still, I was kind of, you know, and, and of course, these guys are, are not always right. None of us are when it comes to the experts. But still, I kind of chapped my hide because the way he was talking about it, it sounded like he knew something. But in the end, ultimately, he didn't. Yeah, we need to have an intervention with you. Listen, listen to our podcast, not Matthew Barry. Look, he seems like a nice enough guy, and uh, he knows his football and his fantasy, but kind of getting tired of his proclamations. I, I liken him to almost the uh, Jim Cramer of CNBC of fantasy football. He makes these uh, bold predictions, and there's a lot of shtick, and he's appearing on TV nonstop. But if you were to really track his – and it's an interesting side job for someone out there. Maybe we could do it someday – Track his predictions. I mean, if he's he's getting you 0.6 week after week, what's he doing with his other highly touted uh, prospects or waiver wire pickups? So, yeah, nothing personal, Matthew, but I think we need some sort of tracking on him. I don't know. I mean, Ronald Jones. Feast or famine. Yeah, came came out with a lot of talent. He could hit that home run ball, but you got to remember, this is a new coach in Tampa and Bruce Arians. And I feel like, too, like everyone's jobs are up. Even Jameis Winston's probably will be at some point. So I think week to week, you you may see a lot of shuffling of that lineup, save for Mike Evans. Uh, Like you said, you will see some changes going forward all over the place in Tampa Bay because that looks like a team in flux at this point in time. One last game to cover, I think, is going to be Cincinnati at Buffalo. Let's go ahead and say the reason why, and that is Andy Dalton. Passing yards plenty. He's going to get a lot of attempts. So if you picked him up off the waiver wire for a quarterback that was injured because you do have to make those type of replacements for Big Ben or for Drew Brees, and you got to go ahead and put someone in there, Andy Dalton throwing against Buffalo. Even though Buffalo's 2-0, Andy Dalton's going to pitch 50 maybe even 60 times against the other team because he's been throwing like crazy, even though they have Mixon and Bernard there. doesn't seem to matter. And that means for the receivers, that means good news because even if A.J. Green is not there, John Ross III and the entire receiving crew are seeing the benefits from Andy Dalton pitching all over the place. My friend, it's been great talking to you. Again, looking forward to week three in the NFL. I wish your teams the best of luck this weekend. And everybody listening out there, the same as well. Good luck with your fantasy football this weekend from all of us right here at Inside Sports Fantasy Football. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. If you need a listing where we're at because we're being played all around the world, seven days a week, Got to check out our listings today at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, where you'll see an entire listing of all the radio stations that we're on. Plus, also as well, we're being played on over 30 different podcast outlets, including our friends at Bullhorn. 
Many of those are also listed on our Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page. My friend, you've got a great thing going on with your book, which is still selling very well. It's Congratulations, You Suck. So I want to hear, man, where can you get your awesome book, Congratulations, You Suck? Barnes & Noble, BookLocker.com, and Amazon will be back in stock, I think, next week. So definitely check those places, and I'd appreciate it. And feel free to leave me a review. A good review. A good review, but an honest one. Honestly, it's good. There you go. That's the type of review you want to leave for Congratulations, You Suck. It is available for sale today at barnesandnoble.com. Also as well, coming next week, again, back in stock at amazon.com. It's also available for the Nook. It's also available for the Kindle. And if you want it coming to your store, just stop by your Barnes & Noble. Go ahead and ask for it. Congratulations, You Suck by Josh Peterson, and it'll come right to the store for you to buy it as well. We're down to the bottom of the 100 right there, 101 to 110 on our top 200 video games of all time as voted on by our followers of the Pop Culture Cosmos. At number 110, it's Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. At number 109, Kingdom Hearts 2. Number 108, Killzone. Number 107, Half-Life 2 Episode 1. Number 106, Gears of War. Number 105, Curse of Monkey Island. Number 104, Burnout Paradise. Number 103, Alpha Centauri. Number 102, UN Squadron. And number 101, Terranigma. There's some great titles mixed in there that I know a lot of people are very familiar with. So I want to hear your thoughts on some of these games, man, as we are counting down 101 to 110 on our list of the top 200 video games of all time. All right, so I'll just go down with what I've experienced with The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. I started it. I don't like being timed. You know, the whole 72 hours in-game. Was not a fan of that. It's the same reason I didn't finish Lightning's Return, the Final Fantasy thirteen sequel, the last one, just because I don't like being timed when I play things. You know, we've talked about this on other shows. I've got anxiety issues. So when I'm being timed to do things, I... I yeah, and the ticking, yes. I'll play them for a few hours, and then until it becomes too much for me, and then I'll just put it down and walk away for good. So never finish Majora's Mask. I just, no, can't do I would it. have loved to have seen that. I'm so stressed, man. Yeah, that's how controllers get broken. Kingdom Hearts 2, I'll be honest with you, I played the first one, played, uh, uh, was it Recoded, the one that, the little card game, is that what that was? I don't I remember. Think so, but there's been so many revisions of it, I lose oh, track. Yeah, yep, for sure. I haven't Kingdom Hearts 2 is next on my list. I just I haven't gotten around to play it because these games take forever and their storylines are so convoluted. Like I have to literally have nothing on my plate or to think about for the rest of it. I need to just empty my brain in order to be able to comprehend what in the heck is going on in these games. Killzone, I, I played, finished. It wasn't, I know everyone's saying that that was like the big hitter for the PlayStation. Supposed to, they called it the Halo Killer when it came out, but I I didn't I didn't see that in that game. I know Guerrilla Games eventually came out with uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, which is really good, but I didn't really see Killzone being the Halo Killer. I just, it was dark and it was hard to play. And it and there was no protagonist to really give no. me Nope, there's no protagonist. You, there's not really, you weren't able to latch on to any of the characters. It was just, and it was so bulky. And yeah, I just, it was not something I enjoyed playing. Half Life 2, I know we talked about this last week. That's episode two. I never, never really played that one. Gears of War, I know we both have experiences with this. I'm still playing Gears 5 right now. Gears of War was a great game. It was something you, 
it was different, you know, for the time. And everyone's like, Oh, a chainsaw gun. I can cut my enemies into pieces. And that was cool for like the first 10 minutes. And then you found out just how unresponsive that button was when you went to go do that to people. But it was a fun co-op game. It still, it holds up pretty well. You know, even the ultimate edition, though, you can't really tell any major changes made to the game. It's just, it still looks good. It holds up. Like if you want to go play gears, 10 years later, it still looks good on a modern television. So that's something I do commend Gears for. And just the way that it, it's so endearing, like it's stuck around for so long. Like I, that's something that I will always, you know, me and my brother will always go play, even, you know, no matter what age we are. Tell me this, how frustrating this is. When you play a multiplayer match, like I used to in the day, the game store I was running, we would go ahead after work and we'd all log on and whatnot on Xbox Live and all that. But how frustrating this! You line up a kill, and they're coming through, and they're coming on your screen, and you can see them as they're coming closer, and you really got to time perfectly. But the sticky wall effect that that helped make popular at that point in time, unfortunately, kept you glued to the wall because it didn't work perfectly each and every time out, which was kind of disappointing because you would have these shots lined up, or you'd have the chainsaw all ready to go, and unfortunately, you were still stuck to the wall, because, and then they would run right by you, and you'd either go off into the distance or turn around and notice you're still stuck on the wall and blow your brains out. Yeah, yeah, there's that, and there's also the issue of, like, when your buddies are over and covered and you're trying to get to them, and you try to jump over things that if you don't prep, hold the button down for the right amount of time, or if you hold it down too long, you get stuck to that cover, and you get shot in the back until you're, you know, you're dead and then your buddies come out and try to heal you and then they die too. So it's, that was something they did fix in gear gears five, but I remember that being incredibly frustrating. Or um, if you weren't good at the shotgun, it, that was really rough. It was really hard to do really challenging because it denigrated always into a shotgun versus shotgun. Everybody crouched and trying to run at the same time. That's kind of a flaw I think in the system because it left players that didn't want to play that way for a bigger challenge like myself that just wanted to use the Lancer all the time. So that in itself was kind of difficult as well. And let's not forget about those Berserkers. I hated those things. <laughs> that was the most flawed bad guy that I've ever seen in a game before. It yeah, was just, let's, it, they, let's not talk about that. Yeah, yeah. All right, moving on here. Never played Curse of Monkey Island. Burnout Paradise was fun in the fact that, you know, besides the Guns N' Roses song, they always played on the game and in the commercials. There's just something about blowing up cars that just feels so satisfying. Like the fact that everyone crashes when they play car games, but the fact that this game was made to make you crash into things. Like what what greater calling is there in life? I mean, this this is I don't know why they don't still make games. I know they do the they have cell phone games out, but like this was an amazing franchise and it's something that I would love to see come back to life. Well, and spiritually, it has come back to life in Wreckfest, which is really enjoyable, and I recommend highly. In fact, if you want to see my review, it's available now on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. But you're right. The way Burnout Paradise rewarded you for mass destruction of uh, just truly immense proportions and doing it in the right way was, was really a lot of fun. And I think a lot of people just truly enjoyed it. And that's why I think it's remained such a favorite for so long. And that's why I believe it's on this list because so many people have such fond memories of burnout paradise and, and the crash mode, which just became so popular. And I think was, it was emulated quite a bit since. Yeah. But I mean, nobody has done it as well as burnout has. And that's something that I really admire about them is that they originated that and then no one's been able to copy it. So, you know, come, 
E3 or, or, you know, whatever game show decides to, to show a new burnout game, as soon as that logo pops up there, people are going to be stoked. Moving on the list here, Alpha. I never, I haven't played these last three: Alpha Centauri, or UN Squadron, or Terra Enigma. So I want to ask you now: anything on this list stick out to you besides Gears? Well, Kingdom Hearts two, obviously, but you, like you said, when you when you deal with the Kingdom Hearts series, it's it is a little bit convoluted, and I think that when you've had so many developers and designers actually get involved with the game series over the course of its many years, I think that's part of the reason why it's. Its storyline has been a little bit convoluted. And plus the time it took between Kingdom Hearts 2 and an actual Kingdom Hearts 3. I think Kingdom Hearts 3, even though it's been a very solid game and a very good seller this year, I think there has been some blowback as far as the story being not as cohesive. And I think a lot of that is due to the time difference of how long it took to make from the time that Kingdom Hearts 2 was released to the time Kingdom Hearts 3 released. I think you see problems because of that gap. And I think continuity was one of those issues within that series. But Kingdom Hearts 2, obviously, is still something that a lot of people hold dear to their hearts. But otherwise than that, I mean, it is a good list. But I think Gears of War for us, because of the fact it still remains so remnant with us today, and Gears of War 5 is one of the biggest games right now out in the marketplace, I think that's probably the one game that sticks out to us the most. And I think for the future going forward of the 10, I think it's still going to be Gears because like you said, you think that Gears 5 has been a very good experience for you. Right now, it's been selling pretty good. Borderlands is still outselling it, but that's because it's on several different platforms. So Borderlands has that unique advantage of selling on different platforms. So it's always going to outsell Gears of War that's only on one. But still, the sales, I think, will justify a Gears of War 6 coming out at some point in time. So that's a good sign that for the future that Gears of War is still going to be alive and well down the road. Yeah, I, I hope so. It'd be nice to see. I, I mean, I haven't played the end of Gears 5 yet, but it'd be nice to see Gears, you know, finish out, fully flesh out their world and finish telling the story that they need to tell before they start beating it to death, like what Halo's starting to do. It is a solid game. Gears 5 is a great game. You know, we talked about before, love the new color palettes and the way the story is very impactful i guess emotionally so i i would like to see it keep going at least until you know that might change when i get to the end of gears 5 but it, it's a solid series absolutely i couldn't agree with you more on that if you want to see the list in its entirety you can check it out because we've done the countdowns on our site popculturecosmos.wordpress.com they've already counted down to the number one video game of all time so you want to go ahead and take an advanced look of what we're going to be talking about over the course of the next few episodes. They're up already into the top 100. They're already up to number one, and that's available now in sets of 10, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. That's the top 200 video games of all time as voted on by our Pop Culture Cosmos followers. Well, right, my friend, thank you so much for being a part of today's show. It's always great to have you on, my friend. Also want to thank Chris Ardieri for being a part of the show Want to check out our shows, Inside Sports Fantasy Football. We're on each and every week on Anchor and Spotify. That's where it runs first. Plus also as well, Lakers Fast Break. I also started the first couple episodes with TJ Johnson and Boomer Perot. Those guys have been on the show already. I'm looking for many more great episodes with those guys and more. That's also on Spotify and Anchor as well. That's the Lakers Fast Break podcast. My friend, it's been a great episode indeed. Any last thoughts on the way out, my friend? 
None right now that I can think of, but, uh, you know, who knows? I'll, maybe on the next show I'll have something interesting to talk about. You always have something interesting to talk about, my friend, because it's pop culture. You know what? Even if it's just your nice, soft Blockbuster shirt and how it leads into the death of Blockbuster. I think there's only one still available, if memory serves me correct. Is it still open or did it close? It was in Oregon, wasn't it? Or Yeah, I think that's the only one that's yeah. still open. I think all the others closed. Sniff, sniff on that one. I'm sorry. So funny because you pass by on the streets where Blockbuster video stores used to be and you still see the outline of them and whatever else is in there now. But it's kind of funny. You always will remember it as Blockbuster Video. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's a beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Howdy! This year, the Earth Station One podcast will experience its favorite geek out moment with episode number 500. That's over nine years of nerdy pop culture reviews, interviews, and con reports. Join the celebration with Mike and Mike each week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite media player. We can also be found all over social media or at esonetwork.com. Peace. And we're done. We're done. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.